message, and I'm not preaching two hours, so don't get nervous. But we're going to receive something from the Lord this morning by the way of a message from the Lord, and so prepare your heart and get ready. We didn't just go through some notes to find out something we thought we could say today, but I believe I have a word from the Lord for us. So Father, we do thank you, we praise you, we bless you, and we honor you, Lord. We come before your word with reverence, respect, with humility. We know, Lord, that it is, as you told us in Psalm 119, 105, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. So we choose, Lord, to listen. We choose to hear, and we make a conscious choice to receive and do what your word says. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. 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 Before the end of last year, the Lord began to deal with my heart very specifically that this year of 2023 would be a year of breakthroughs and blessings. And uh, we are just in the early stages of the second quarter of the year, and I am happy to report to you today that we have already been getting testimonies. People are getting breakthroughs. People are walking into a greater level of blessing than they had even last year. And you know, the year's not over, and there's more to come. Some of those testimonies uh, you will hear. We heard one yesterday. Uh, We heard one testimony yesterday from one of our guys in the uh, uh, men's breakfast about a $10,000 raise. How many know that's a pretty good raise? Plus a $5,000 bonus. That's pretty good, Chris. Praise the Lord. So that's just one. I mean, it's just amazing what God is doing. And of course, we say around here often that if you will get involved with God's business, God will get involved with your business. And that's exactly what's happening, praise the Lord. So we believe that the year 2023 is definitely a year of breakthroughs and blessings as we believe we've heard from the Lord. But to enjoy these, these breakthroughs and blessings we're talking about, it's really essential that you know and understand and follow God's will for your life. God has a unique plan for every person here. A unique plan just for you. I want to run through just a few scriptures to give you a little sampling of how God views his life plans for people. I want to start today with Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 5 where God says to the prophet, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. So... There's no question in God's mind where and when life begins, is there? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So there was a destiny, if you will, for Jeremiah's life before his mom even knew if he was a boy or a girl. Before he was ever born, there was a destiny. And I want to remind you that destiny is not something that we decide. Destiny is something we discover. Your calling, the plan of God for your life, that's something that is ours to discover. In Jeremiah, same book, chapter 29 and verse 11, uh, the NIV says it's something like this. I may not get exactly every word But it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
Aren't you glad God has a plan? In the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of our mistakes and blunders, God has a plan. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Aren't you glad it's a good plan? It's not a plan to make you marry somebody ugly and go broke. It's not a plan to make you go to a part of the world you never want to go to and you'll never like and never enjoy it. No, the idea that God's will is some bad thing is a devil idea because God has a good plan for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I think he must have known that there would be people who would somehow twist scriptures to try to make God the bad guy, to make God be the enemy. That people would be confused as to who the problem is really with and who, what the devil does and what God does. And I want to tell you, Jesus came and reinforced this kind of a verse with his teaching in John 10, 10 when he said, The thief cometh not, they're talking about the devil, but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, Jesus said, that they might have life. That's the God kind of life, by the way. And that they might have it more abundantly. So we see it this way, if it ain't good... It ain't God. I know that's bad grammar, uh, but you understand, don't you? If it ain't good, it ain't God. You just need to know that. People wonder, well, I don't know if God or the devil's doing it to me. Well, if it steals, kills, and destroys, it's not God. It's not God. Amen. And so he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope. Even in 2023. Even with the chaos and the mess going on around us, all around us in this world, God says, I come to give you hope and a future. A future, praise the Lord. And then Romans eleven twenty nine. this is Jeremiah 29, 11. Romans eleven twenty nine says, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Now, what does that mean? That means that this plan that Jeremiah spoke of, this plan that God has for you, God says, I'm not going to take it back. You may have missed it. You may be late. You might be behind schedule. Something may have come up that kind of derailed things, but I've still got the plan. It's not too late today. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong road, forgive me and get me on the right road. I want to serve you the rest of my life. Then do that because that, that's where the blessings are. That's where peace is. So many of us have tried so many things on our own that didn't work. Generation after generation after generation keeps doing the same dumb stuff over and over and over again. And it never works. You know, there's always that poor dear soul that thinks, I can do the drugs and it won't bother me. I can guzzle the alcohol, it won't bother me. I can sleep around and be unfaithful, and it's not really going to bother me. No, no, no. The same thing that tripped up our ancestors a thousand years ago will trip you up today because it's not godly. Amen. God has a plan. He has a good plan. The plan of God fits. I don't know if you're like me, uh, and I won't ask you to raise your hands, especially you ladies. I know you wouldn't raise your hands anyway. But uh, have you ever tried to put something on that just didn't fit anymore? <laughs> you couldn't get it buttoned. You couldn't get it buckled. You couldn't get it fastened or whatever. That's, that's no fun, is it? It's such a disappointment. 
Or maybe, maybe there's a few who have put something on and now it's too big. Maybe you ought to raise your hand if that's happened to you. Uh, it's too big now and you know, it's just, uh, it looks like you got somebody else's clothes on. Well, I want to tell you, the plan of God is not too small. It's not too big. It is just right. It fits. Another thing about the plan of God, God's plans are doable. He didn't say, I know the wishes that I have for you. He said, I know the plans. God's plans are always doable. Now, you may be sitting here today thinking, well, I really believe God has called me to, and then you can fill in that blank, whatever it is. But I don't necessarily think I'm qualified. I don't think I'm capable. I don't see how in the world that could ever happen. Well, I just want you to know today that if God has truly called you, if that is his will for your life, it's doable. And you need to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. Following the plan of God is the way to the greatest level of peace that you'll ever have in life. It's the place to the greatest level of blessing that you will ever have. And that blessing is in every realm. You know, we, we touch the spiritual, we touch the emotional, we touch the physical, we touch the uh, material. All these realms we touch. And in every one of those realms, the plan of God, living out the will of God for your life, is where the greatest blessings are in all those realms. Following the plan of God more than anything, and this is important if you truly know God and you truly love the Lord, following the plan of God glorifies Him. God gets the greatest glory from your life lived on this planet if you follow his plan. And not only that, it will make you a blessing. Now, we all like to get blessed. We know that. Nothing wrong with that. But the greatest fun, if you will, of a godly life is when you are a blessing. You know, you've all probably known some people that were a real blessing to you. Maybe a mentor, uh, a teacher, somebody who blessed you, somebody that you could look up to, a great example. Well, in the world of Christianity, in the world of spiritual things, one of the reasons that those kind of people uh, were like that and such a blessing to you is because they were walking out the will of God for their life. They weren't confused, lackadaisical, uh, kind of up and down, in and out. They, they had a purpose, and they were walking that purpose out. They were living for their own personal, and we can all have this, their own personal well done from God. Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know God can't lie. You know that, don't you? So he can't say that unless you have done well. Unless you're a good and faithful servant. So there are two aspects that I want to focus on we won't finish today, and of course next week we, we have special meetings, and so we'll come back uh, the Sunday after, and we'll pick up wherever we leave off today. But there are two aspects of this that I want to focus on, because let me just throw this back in here. You're not going to walk in great breakthroughs and blessings unless you know the will of God and unless you do the will of God. So that's what we're going to focus on, finding Knowing and understanding the will of God. And secondly, making a decision to do the will of God. To be what James 1.25 called a doer of the work, blessed 
in his deed. A doer of the word, blessed in his deed. You see, it's not enough to just find the will of God. You got to do it. In every age of man's history, even after the fall, God has attempted to make himself known. And he's attempted to make his will known to us, his will for our lives. And when we receive this communication from heaven, when we hear God, if you want to call it that, or we are led by God, those are all different ways of saying, finding the will of God. You'll find in those things, uh, in, in that aspect of our Christian life, that that's an essential requirement to walk with God. If you want His grace, and you really want His favor on your life, you want a different life than maybe those of, around you. Maybe a different life than even some of your family has known. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying you know that there's something better and there's something more powerful and that's what you desire. Then I'm going to tell you today, as best I know how, as kindly as I know how, you've got to find the will of God for your life. And then you've got to do it. Now it's not as difficult as sometimes it seems and as, as maybe people sometimes have made it out to be. It's really not hard. But there are some key things we need to know. And uh, I want to go to some more scripture now. And I want to look in the book of Exodus, chapter 15, please. And this is, of course, early days. Uh, Genesis, Exodus. I mean, we're backing up here a long time ago. But we also know that uh, there are certain principles that never change. And this is one of those principles. Exodus, chapter 15. And um, I want to uh, look at verse number 26. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. And um, the Lord speaks to Israel, and, and indeed he speaks to all of his people, covenant people, for all of time. This is an eternal principle. This is not just a, uh, a regulation of, of one particular dispensation or covenant but this is a word to all of God's people he says if thou wilt diligently hearken and uh, in Hebrew that would be if you will listen listening you know have you anybody anybody here a parent have you ever asked a child are you listening to me that's what God's saying here are you really you know if you really do that in other words if you diligently hearken, if you listen, listening to the voice of the Lord thy God. Now we know God is a spirit. Uh, Jesus taught us about that in John chapter 4. And that's not the only place you can have that confirmed. But so when it talks about God speaking, that doesn't mean that it's always audible. It could be. But generally that's not going to be the way that it's going to come. You're not necessarily going to hear an audible voice. As a matter of fact, I think about that time in the New Testament in Jesus' ministry when the Lord spoke from heaven, nobody even knew it was him. But Jesus, because they all thought it thundered. So usually that it's not going to be an audible voice, but yet God does speak. God has a voice. So when a spirit would speak, generally it's going to first come into your spirit because you are a spirit. You possess a soul, and you live inside a body. 
And our spirit nature is what God is most interested in. It's the most important part of us. And that's where God lives if we're born again. And that's where God leads and guides first and foremost. So he says, if you will diligently hearken, listen, listening to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do. So we talked about the fact that you need to know the will of God, but you also need to do the will of God. And will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee. So we see right here early on after Israel left Egypt that God is conditioning them and telling them about the great need to be led by the Lord, to hear God. Now let's turn over to chapter 19, book of Exodus still. Chapter 19, and let's begin looking at um, verse 3. Now, uh, you'll see the setting here as we read. It says, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. So God's saying to Moses, this is what I want you to tell my people. Verse 4. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, this is not my message today, but I just can't help but point out the fact that God doesn't need anything on this earth to make him God. He's not interested in gold or silver or coal, oil, gas, timber, water, any resource on the earth. He created it all for you, for his men, for his women, for his children, his family. So when you read a verse like this, verse number... um, Um, four, you realize that the only thing God really wants out of earth is you. He said, I brought you unto myself. He wasn't interested in their stuff. It's all right to have stuff, but he wanted them. And then he goes on to say, now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, there's, there's that same thought again, and keep my covenant then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Sounds a whole lot like the word to the church that the apostle Peter wrote. We are kings and priests unto our God, so forth. And a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now let's go over to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we will begin reading with verse 1. We'll read verses 1 and 2, Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And by the way, Deuteronomy's Moses' last sermon, and it's a long one. If you think I'm long-winded, you should have been there this day. Read the book of Deuteronomy nonstop and just think about being in that congregation. Then you'll be coming and being glad for your pastor. Amen. Anyway, Moses is getting ready to leave. So this is, uh, this is about 40 years after what we read in Exodus 19. Decades have passed. And what we're going to see is the principle has not changed. And it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently... 
under the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. In other words, you're going you're to stand out from all the world. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And then he lists the many blessings. And then verse 15 is kind of the bookend to this. But it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And then the listing of curses. So it's pretty important that we hear from God. It'll make the difference between a blessed life and a cursed life. It'll make the difference between health and sickness, between prosperity and poverty. It'll make the difference between peace and confusion. We could just go on down the list of contrasts. It's so important. And then Jesus would come along in John chapter 10 and verse 27 and kind of put the cherry on top of the the cake, you know. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Are you one of his sheep? Romans 8, 14, the apostle Paul comes writing to, to believers, to Christians. Jesus has finished his work. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father And his body is now functioning in the earth. And the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. And I thought I was just going to refer to it. But I feel like I need to actually read it for you. I want you to hear these words. Romans 8 and 14. Amen. I'll find it. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Sons of God, that would include the daughters too, have a birthright to be led by God. This is not a special privilege for a chosen few. This is not something you work your way up to over time when you do enough good works and good deeds or you put enough bad stuff away from your life Finally, you get there. No, this is the birthright from day one of your salvation experience that you have to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, it has to be learned. We have to become familiar with it so that we can function properly with it. But nobody is left out of this blessing of being led by the Lord. Now, there are two primary ways that God leads us. This is very, very important, so don't miss this point. Two primary ways that God leads us, and that is, number one, through the Word, the Bible. Your Bible is God speaking to you. Every time you open it, every time you read it, whether it's printed or electronic or however you read your Bible, it is God talking to you. That's the first way, primary way. But, He also leads and guides through the witness of the Holy Spirit. And back in Romans 8 and verse number 16, we just read verse 14. Verse 16 says, the Spirit, the King James says itself, it should be himself. The Spirit of God is not an it, not a thing. He's a person. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Those are the two primary ways. There are other uh, aspects, other ways that we will talk about. But the primary ways, probably 99% of all the guidance you'll ever get from God will come either through the written word or through the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. That's why it's important to understand spirit, soul, and body. To know the difference between your inner man, that it's referred to in the New Testament, or the inward man, as it's also referred to, or your spirit nature, knowing the difference between that and just your soulish nature, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, all things that can be altered and changed, as you realize. And of course, we know that the body is just the house that we live in. So if we're going to look at how to be led by the Spirit of God, that means that we're going to need to be people of the Bible, people of the book. Reading the Bible is essential if you want to grow in God, but so is discerning and following the witness of the Spirit. It's so important. The Bible tells us in Luke 4.41 that Jesus, and we know he was the Word made flesh, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there, of course, he was tempted of the devil. So if Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, the Word incarnate, the second person of the Trinity, on the earth in a flesh body, if he was led by the Spirit, how in the world would I think I could live my life successfully and not be led by the Spirit? It doesn't even make good sense. How are we led by the Word of God? Well, the psalmist describes it in Psalm 119.105 as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. So the first way God's going to lead you is the truths of the Word of God. And obviously, guidance has to be one of the functions of the Bible for the life of the believer. If it's going to be a lamp unto your feet, a light to your path, that means there's going to be some guidance that comes through the Word. Now, we're almost done for those of you that are hungry, uh, but I've got a couple of things that I do want to leave with you before we go, and we'll pick, them, pick these things up again next time. But, and I don't want to get too deep into this. Uh, I'm not an expert in, in these languages anyway, but there are two uh, primary words in the Greek New Testament that's translated word, W-O-R-D. The two primary words are logos, L-O-G-O-S, and rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And without getting too deep into these things, let's just say it this way and be simple about it. Logos represents the sum total of what God has said. Your Bible is the logos of God. Amen. It's the Greek word that's used in John 1, 1 that says, in the beginning was the word, the Logos. And we also know that Jesus is the Logos of God because that same passage talks about the word being made flesh. He is the Logos of God in bodily form. That means our Bible is the Logos of God in written form. So the written word of God has been given to us Supernaturally, by the way, it's an amazing story how this generation of believers have such, has such a great privilege of being able to access the Word of God 
And this written word of God has been given to us to reveal the living word of God. Now it's an interesting note that in the early uh, days of the church, probably, probably not even 20% of, the, of those vast congregations of people would have been literate. The majority of them would have been illiterate and there would only have been a few that would have been able to write and uh, it was a laborious, expensive process to write anything and preserve it. So most of the early church's messages, most of the days of the early church, it was presented orally. It was, it was something brought to them by voice. Letters were penned and then they were carried and they were read aloud to a congregation or congregations, plural, and people would hear that word. And Romans 10, 17 would have meant so much to those people because it says, Paul said, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this is just a little suggestion to at least think about. It's really beneficial to at least do some of your Bible reading aloud. I know when you went to school they taught you not necessarily to do that, not to mumble, not to even move your lips, you know, practice reading, you know, focus your eyes. Forget that for a moment. Forget that when you read your Bible. Read it out loud. Move your mouth. Stop. Back up. Reread. Meditate. This is not like Time Magazine. This isn't like the newspaper. This is a living book. This is a God-breathed book. This is a revelation of God to man. And in it is the foundation principles for all guidance from God you will ever have. The more you know of this word, the more you will be led by the Spirit, even in the minor details of life. There is no separating or divorcing ourselves from the Bible if we want to walk truly in the Spirit. Praise the Lord. So... Logos is the, basically the sum total. Rhema, however, and this is what I want to get out before we go today. Rhema has to do with a specific word given to us by the Holy Spirit in a direct way. And at the moment when that comes, it seems like that we're the only person God's talking to. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but, but when the Lord really truly as we say sometimes, quickens or makes alive his word to you. And maybe you're reading a verse of scripture and it just kind of, as we say, jumps off the page. All those terms we try to use to describe this process, what's actually happening is God is quickening that word to us. He's making it alive to us on a personal level. Now, you don't have to have that happen to still obey the word. You don't have to have that happen to do the word. You're still responsible to do what you know to do. But there are times in life when we need specific guidance. There is no verse in the Bible that told me to marry Miss Hughes when she was Miss Hughes. That was a long time ago. She's been Sister Mayhorn a lot longer than she was Miss Hughes. There were no verses telling me to marry her. You can't go to a verse in the Bible that's going to tell you where you need to go to school if you're, if you're getting ready to pursue uh, a degree or something. There's no verse that's going to just say... Thou shalt go to you know, whatever school. And don't tell me, I know there's a bunch of schools here, so we won't, we won't go there. But, you know, that's not there. There's no verse you're going to read that says, buy a Ford. And certainly none tell you to buy a Chevrolet. 
No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. This, you know, that's not there. That's not going to happen. So we understand that the Bible is essential. We might say it this way, for the general will of God. But there are some specifics that I need God to show me, tell me, somehow let me know what his will is. Amen. And so that's what these rhema words are. They're quickened to us. It, all, it, all of the Bible was and still is logos, but there are times when that word just stands out to you. And here's what I want to close with today. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned closing now two or three times. I should have been in real estate perhaps, but uh, lots of closing. But anyway, here we are. I remember about 24 years ago, I guess, I remember that we had sold our little church building up here off. You can't see it from 460, so I won't bother to describe where, where all that is. We'd sold that little building. We'd, in the process, we're buying this property, the 53 acres of property here. And our plan was to build a church. And um, to build a building. And, of course, we didn't have a lot of people. And we didn't have a lot of money. And there was no natural pathway that was going to be easy, you know, just to do this. We, we didn't have this big pile of money. We just said, well, we'll take that and make it happen. So we had actually rented a building up in the old Plaza Shopping Center. We were in what was long ago the liquor store. We brought a different spirit to that room. Praise the Lord. And so... We were there, not a lot of room, not a lot of people. And I remember one day I was in there. It was cloudy outside because I still remember, you know, the way it looked. It's just these kind of times you don't forget. And I was walking around. Back in those days, 20-some years ago, uh, I had this smaller Bible with very small print. And I was just, could hold it in one hand, you know, and I was praying and I was reading. And I got to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. And so I read these words. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now of course there's an attribution of praise to God in the very next verse. But it was verse 20 that God quickened to me. Because as I was walking around and I was praying, my mind was being bombarded to some degree by the devil. And how are you going to do this? Now, how's this going to happen? You don't have the money to do all of this. Nobody had promised any great sum of money or anything like that to us. And here you are, you sold a building and sold that little piece of property. And now you're in a rented building. And how's this going to happen? And I realized from this verse, I don't have to make it happen. He said all I needed to do was keep the power working in me. And he would do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And so today, we're here totally debt-free, completely debt-free, 
And the building's here. We're getting, you know, we're getting ready. We're going to add on to this building. We'll eventually build another one out here that's not going to be block walls and it's going to be really nice. But anyway, I'm telling you that to tell you that's the power of being led by the Spirit of God. And it's not going to always make sense to your head. You're not going to always be able to figure out everything. I didn't know everything that was going to happen. I had to walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. Now we like walking by sight. We like to see. We like to know the next step. We want it all figured out. And the more organized you are, if that's more your personality, the more you'll have to work at overcoming that because it just doesn't always pan out that you're going to know everything before. You're going to have to take some steps and trust God that when your foot comes down, something's under it. I don't mean do foolish things, stupid things. And I don't mean doing things to tempt or test God, but I mean just obeying what he said. Well, if I didn't know that it is the will of God that we move in this direction, then I would not have been in a place where I would have even heard that word. But you know, I should have. I'll confess, I should have been more confident at that point in time. I should have remembered that, you know, when we moved here in September of 1990 and closed out every, the month of November in 1990, we only had 17 cents in the bank in the whole church. 17 cents. Not $17, $17,000. 17 cents. Praise God. So last year we gave away over $100,000. Just, just giving away. Just sowing, giving, being a blessing. And that's not just me. That's all of us together using our faith, believing in a word from God, following to make a vision come to pass. <coughs> and just like God will do that, more church. He's got a vision for your life, a purpose for your family, your marriage, your career. It's so important to follow the will of God. Now, we just got started today, but we got to quit. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank God. Let's praise the Lord together. Thank God for His plan. Thank God for His will. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. There might be somebody in the room today or somebody who might be watching online and you don't know Jesus or you've known him but you walked away from him. You're not living where you need to live. And I don't mean by that geographically. I mean spiritually. You're not where you're supposed to be. Not walking with God. The Lord isn't angry at you, number one. The Lord still loves you, number two. Number three, repentance is not difficult. It's an act of the will to say, God, forgive me. I'm on the wrong road, and I want to get right. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he rose again, that he's alive now. And I believe that your love and your compassion, your grace extends to me to forgive my sins. So please do so, Father. 
I receive Jesus as my Lord and I will serve you, Lord, all the days of my life. From this day forevermore, I'll serve you in Jesus' name. And if you've done that, then please tell somebody, tell one of these ushers, tell, come and tell me. Contact us if you're not here today and uh, you, you're watching. Then contact us. Let us know. I've made a decision to serve and follow Jesus Christ. We want